before I begin good, can y'all hear me okay? Before I begin good, I want to know how many of you have made wagers of how long I was going to keep this jacket on. <laughs> well, you won. Amen. I'm out. Praise the Lord. Amen. Want to say hi to Gwen. Amen. Good to see you, Blake, Colton, and Barrett. Amen. Can't wait. Can't wait. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, give them a honk, everybody. Amen. Well, friends, listen. In the Bible book of Revelation in chapter 3, Jesus instructed the author, John, to write to the church in a city called Laodicea. And Jesus told John, he said, Tell them, I know your works. I know what you've been doing. I know what you're doing in the name of the Lord. But I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold. But because you're not hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. You see, because the believers at Laodicea had become half-hearted, because they had become lukewarm, they started neglecting their service to God. We have to avoid becoming half-hearted or lukewarm in our service to the Lord Jesus. He's depending upon us. It's not that He couldn't do it by Himself if He wanted to, but He's depending on you and He's depending on me to do the work of Jesus in this modern day and time. Today, friend, we're going to see how. We're going to see how we can avoid a lukewarm Christianity. When the Apostle Paul met Jesus on that road that led to the city called Damascus, he asked perhaps the two greatest questions that we could ever ask. Question number one is, Who are you, Lord? And question number two is, What would you have me to do? Paul spent the rest of his life trying to discover the answers to those two questions. Who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? In so doing, and through that process, Paul became perhaps the greatest missionary that the world has ever known. And we should ask the question this morning, what was it that so transformed this murderer, this persecutor of Christians, into the greatest missionary the world has ever known? What was the attitude he had that uh, made him serve the Lord like he did? What was the motivation that urged him on? What was it? Well, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I am three times. I am. And in Romans chapter 1, in three short verses, Paul wrote, to the Roman church, and he said, I am, say I am. I am a debtor, a debtor to both Greeks and barbarians, to both wise and unwise. 
Verse 15 says, so as much as it is in me, I am, say I am, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16, he continued and he said, for I am, say I am, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, then also for the Greek. Paul said, I am a dead or. Paul said, I am ready. Paul said, I am not ashamed. And friend, today when I'm done, if you can say those three things in your Christian life, then you can be saved from a, just a mere Sunday morning religion and you can avoid a lukewarm Christianity. First off, I want you to see that the Apostle Paul was faithful, faithful to the obligations of the gospel. Paul felt obligated Verse 14, he said, I am a debtor. He said, I owe. I'm a debtor. Now, what does that mean? To whom or to what did Paul owe a debt? Well, he'd be the first one to tell you that Paul was in debt to Jesus Christ. That he owed Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of Romans chapter 1, Paul identified himself as a bond slave. A bond slave to Jesus Christ. And the question that we have to ask is, since Jesus died for you, are you a bond slave? Are you obligated? Do you feel as though you owe Jesus just a little something? Paul answered the question for us there in uh, 1 Corinthians when he said, you're not your own. You were bought at a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Paul felt like that he was in debt to Jesus. The question is, do you? Do you feel like you are in debt to your Savior? Are you in debt to the one who gave his life for you? Friend, are you in debt to Jesus? The salvation that Jesus Christ died to provide is free to you. But it cost Jesus greatly. He died to offer you and I eternal life. Don't you feel like we just owe him just a little? No, we owe him far more than that, don't we? We owe him everything. We owe him our lives. So Paul saw himself as a debtor to Christ. But Paul also saw himself as a debtor indebted to his fellow Christians. Paul knew that he stood on the shoulders of people, of Christians, who had gone on before him. He knew that he stood on the shoulders of Christians that served alongside him. And when you look in verse 8, Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Can I just tell you this morning, I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of through the whole world. In other words, Paul was saying, I owe you. I can tell you this morning, I owe you. And guess what? We owe one another a debt. 
Paul realized that there were others. Others that had gone before and others that he was serving alongside who had suffered, bled, and died that he might know Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, the one thing that really got Paul's attention was when he witnessed a fellow Christian, who wasn't fellow at that time, who witnessed a Christian die at the hands of the Jews. That fellow Stephen, as Paul held the jackets of those who were murdering Stephen for his faith. Normally, you and I would be sitting inside, wouldn't we? Sitting inside in the comfort and the safety of this building, um, we would be air-conditioned. It would be beautiful inside. We'd be sitting in upholstered seats. We wouldn't be in our pajamas, and we may not be in shorts. We may not be eating breakfast like Miss Diane is, but you know what? We'd all be there. Amen. So uh, we'd be inside. But this very building came along through the indebtedness of other Christians. It came as from the indebtedness of many fellow believers that came a long time before me and you. So when you, when you think about the last hundred years, think about the, the people that came before us to provide what we utilize for ministry today. I mean, who provided the seats that we sit on in there? Was it you? Who provided the lights that shine down on us in there? Was it you? Think about it. Who was who provided the carpet beneath our feet in yonder? Was it you? Was it me? No. I mean, think about it. Who built the walls of these buildings? Was it me or you? No. I mean, who was it that was paying tithes and offerings while I was still learning how to give? Was it me? I'm sorry to say that I didn't immediately begin to tithe and offer like I'm supposed to. I learned it. I learned it from my fellow Christians. And therefore, I'm indebted to them. I'm indebted to them. So we are debtors not only to Christ, but Paul said, I'm a debtor to my fellow Christian. But he goes on to say, I'm also a debtor to my community. Think about this. Paul saw himself as a debtor to everybody around him. People down the street, people down the street, people up the street, even at the line. He saw his obligation and his debt to people in Anderson and in Rogersville all around us. He felt like that he was indebted to them. Verse 14 says, I am. I am a debtor to both the Greeks and the barbarians. Now what you need to know is, is the Greeks, they were the high class up and ups. The barbarians, they were the low class down and outs. But Paul saw himself as a debt to all of them. Amen? Nobody was discluded. Paul said, I am a debtor to the cultured. I am a debtor to the crude. I'm a debtor to the intelligent. I'm a debtor to the ignorant. I'm a debtor to all people. Why? Because there are people all around us, friend, that desperately, desperately, desperately need to be saved. And you and I are the ones that hold that message in our hand, just waiting to be saved. Waiting to be shared so that they can be saved. Paul shared his redemption story with many people. I pray that you're praying and preparing your redemption story. Paul shared his with a number of people. He told people that, you know what, there's a pardon for sin that's available to you all. Whether you're from up yonder or down yonder, that pardon extends to all of us. So Paul saw himself as a debtor. 
to Christ, to his fellow Christians, but also to his community. Paul was faithful. Faithful to the obligation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's not all. Because we also learn in verse 15 that Paul was flexible to the opportunities in the gospel. Take a look in verse 15. Paul says, So much as it is in me, I am ready. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. You know the problem is with most of us? As believers, as Christians, the problem with most of us is, is we're not flexible. We're not flexible. If God were to speak to us today and tell us to do this or that, if we're, just, we're not ready. We're not ready to roll for Jesus. We're not ready to roll and do what God told us to do. For example, suppose that you own a, a very profitable business. I mean, just suppose for a second that you're raking in the box and everything's going smoothly. But then God steps into your life and he says, I want you to sell that business and I want you to become a missionary for Jesus Christ. What are you going to say? Are you ready? Are you flexible enough that God can step into your life? Are you flexible enough that God can interrupt your plan? Are you flexible enough that God could totally change the course of your life? No matter where you're at right now. The big question is, are you really ready to hear from God or not? Amen? And that's a big question, isn't it? That's a challenge. But in verse 15, Paul said, As much as it is in me. As much as it is in me. You know what that means? That means not half-heartedly. That means not with a lukewarm spirit. Not with a lukewarm attitude. It means, friend, that you should say, yes, I am willing to die for Jesus. But more importantly, I am willing to live for Jesus. He wants what you have in your life. He doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live for Him. Could you? Would you? Say today, as much as it is in me, I'm ready to die for Christ. As much as it is in me, I am ready to live for Jesus. Are you to that place in your spiritual walk where you're ready to say that? Paul was. Paul was ready to live and Paul was ready to die for Christ. Paul said, I will live for Jesus he will have my entirety. He will have all that I am. He said, I'm going to Rome, and you know what I'm going to do when I get there? I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to tell everybody in that city that Jesus is Lord. That's what I'm going to do. So my question is this, friend. Are you ready? Are you ready to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Friend, are you also ready to die for Christ? Because when Paul started heading to Rome, what he said was, this may cost me my life. And ultimately, he was right. He said, it may cost me my life, but you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to go for Christ. 
So here's your question. If the Lord told you, if the Lord tells you to go across the way and around the world, can you honestly, can you sincerely say, I am ready? If the Lord tells you that the world needs to hear your redemption story, are you ready to call up Brother Hal and say, I'm ready? I'm ready to record and to broadcast my redemption story. Paul was ready to live, Paul was ready to die, and Paul was ready to go for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. He was flexible. Flexible. Faithful to the obligations, but flexible to the opportunities that God presented for him to tell the good news. Now there's one last point I want to make before we go. Because Paul was also fearless. He was fearless to the opposition that was coming against the gospel. In verse 16, listen to what Paul said. He said, I am. I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation first for the Jew and then for the Greek also. I'm not ashamed. Paul was headed to mighty Rome, the iron legion of the world at that time. He's going to preach. He's going to preach the message of another publicly executed Jew. You know who that is, right? He's going to preach about Jesus, one that was killed. They're going to laugh at him. They're going to mock him. They're going to persecute him. And ultimately, they are going to kill him. But Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Friend, are you? Are you ashamed of the gospel? You say, nah, Brother Bill, I'm not. But let me ask you this. That place where you work, you know, they're in your office. They're at the bank, at the plant, on the job site, you know, over at the doctor's office. Wherever it is you work, are you ashamed of Jesus? From the amount of time that you talk about Jesus, would people say, you know what? She's really kind of ashamed of Jesus. She sure don't talk about Him. He sure don't talk about Him very much. When you talk about your faith with Jesus, do you find that people roll their eyes? Oh my Lord, here we go again. When you begin to boast about what God is doing in your life, do people chalk it up to circumstance and say, oh man, that's just life. When you reject world views in favor of God's truth, do people make fun of you? Well, just like you face opposition being a Christian, Paul going to Rome, he was facing opposition as well. But the, the Christians back in that day, they didn't have money, they didn't have prestige, they didn't have power, but all they had and all they needed was Jesus. That's all they had to have was Him. So what did Paul mean? I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. What did he mean by that statement? Well, obviously, Paul was not ashamed of the person of the Gospel. Jesus, the Bible says, that it is the Gospel of Christ. 
It's not a Baptist gospel. It's not a Methodist gospel. It's not a Presbyterian gospel. No, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we never need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a second. There are almost 7.8 billion people in the world today. Did you know that over 113 billion people have lived on this planet through the course of human history? Did you know that 220,000 people are added to the world's population each and every day? Do you realize that that means that 150 people are added to the world's population every minute? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But I'm telling you about one person. I'm telling you about one person, friend, who stands out above all those other people, above all those who have ever lived, above all those who ever will live, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the focus. And listen, there's not a moment in time when millions of people all over the globe are not looking to Jesus, studying what he said, and trying to organize their lives according to his perfect example. What a man, what a person. Paul said, Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my commander. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel who stepped out of the glory of heaven to come and suffer and bleed and die for me? But Paul was not only ashamed of the person, not ashamed of the person of the gospel, he was also not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel. I mean, why did all this have to happen? What's the purpose? Verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Why do we have the gospel? Because people need to be saved. Because people desperately need to be saved. People in this world, they need more than soup and shelter and soap. Although some of them need more soap, amen? But some people need to be saved. Some people need to be rescued. They need to be redeemed. They need to be reconciled to God. And you hold the message. The message of this man who stands head and shoulders above any other man. This man who did not come as a healer. He did not come as a philosopher. He did not come as a teacher. The Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the gospel. Friend, listen to me. If you want an adventure in your life, if you want to be part of a God-sized event, if you want to be part of something that really counts in your life, I want to encourage you to pour your life into getting people saved. Doing what you can do as much as it is in me to get people saved. To get them saved. And when you come before the feet of Jesus Christ and some precious soul comes alongside you who heard your redemption story and they came to Christ as a result of it, you know what? 
you're going to be some more kind of happy. You're going to be overjoyed with that person. You're going to be glad. That's the whole purpose of the gospel. It's to lead others to Christ. But finally, Paul was also not ashamed of the plan of the gospel either. He said, to everyone that believes. To everyone that believes. That's it. To everyone who believes. That's the plan. And it's quite an incredible plan. Because when you think about it, all the rest of the religions all over the world, they spell their religion D-O. Do this. Do that. Do the other thing. Do. But our faith, Christianity, spells it D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's done. I've completed everything that needs to be done. It's done. He says, you put your faith where God puts your sins. You put your faith where God placed your sins. And that is on the body of Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Friend, that's the plan. That's the plan of the gospel. Man, I wouldn't give the best 15 minutes that I ever lived to get me saved or to keep me saved. I can't do it. It's all about Jesus and Him alone. We believe in Christ. He's the one who accomplished our salvation. So what should all this do for me and you today? Well, this ought to give you and I a real boldness to share with other people. I mean, more than ever, we should have a greater confidence to share our three-minute redemption story with the world. It's absolutely incredible. And why would you want to do something like that? Because you have something worth sharing. Did you hear me, brothers and sisters? You got something worth sharing that the rest of the world ain't got. Everybody you see, everybody you know is either lost or saved. If they're lost, they're a prospect for you to share your three-minute redemption story with. If they're saved, they're a partner with you in ministry. We're partners together in the gospel. And with all that being the case today, I want you to know, and I know I can speak for Brother Hal today. Brother Hal and I eagerly await your phone call. You just call us and you tell us when you're ready to record and to broadcast your three-minute redemption story. Now, here's something that's really interesting kind of crammed a, a we've only we've only done three redemption stories online this far thus far uh, i've shared mine miss janet has shared hers and miss kathy has shared hers and think about this just with those three three minute redemption stories 850 people have viewed them since monday 850 people have viewed these three-minute redemption stories since Monday. Kathy didn't do hers until Wednesday. 
And she's got more than me and Jack combined almost. It's all about sharing your story. You got something worth sharing. And let me just put this little footnote in here. Listen up. While liking someone else's redemption story is really good, it really encourages the person who shared their redemption story. If all you do is like it, then you've done nothing to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just encourage that person. So I want to encourage you that when you see one of your brothers or sisters sharing their intimate, personal, well worth sharing three-minute redemption story, don't just like it. Share the fool out of that thing. Because that's how we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So share it. Share it. That's sharing the gospel. Share their story. You never know where someone else's story might minister to someone else's need and they might come to Jesus Christ. Three times Paul said, I am. I am. He said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to Christ. I'm a debtor to my fellow Christians. And I'm a debtor to my community. He also said, I am ready. I'm ready to die to sin and live for Jesus. I'm ready. Are you? Are you ready? Paul finished it off by saying, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the plan of the gospel. And I'm certainly not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel to get people saved. So I want to encourage us to be like Paul. To say, I am. To say, I am a debtor. I am ready. And I am not ashamed. Friend, you may be listening to me and say, well, Brother Bill, I'm sorry, but I don't have a redemption story. During this invitation time, not only can you respond to what the Word of God has said to you, Christian, but you can also respond by sticking your hand out the window. And by doing so, you're saying to Bill, I don't have a redemption story, but I want one. That's all you have to do. You stick your hand out your window. I'll notate who it is, and I'll contact you after the service later on today. Are you ready? Are you ready for this God-sized event we've been talking about for weeks? You're a debtor. You need to be ready. And you certainly need not be ashamed. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we praise You and thank You so much that You've given us such reason, such reason to be faithful Christians and not lukewarm Christians. Lord, my prayer is today for all of my brothers and sisters that each and every single one of them, that they have their own redemption story. And that, Lord, if they don't have their story, Lord, they would raise their hands, I want one. And we'll make sure that happens. But, Lord, of all the rest that are here today, I know good and well that each one of them have a redemption story. It may take three or four or five takes 
to record it and prepare it to broadcast. But it doesn't matter. We want it to be their, broad, their broadcasted three-minute redemption story. So Father, I pray that my phone is flooded with calls this afternoon with people who are ready to start making an appointment to record and broadcast their three-minute redemption story. Lord, bless us now as we go into this invitation time that someone that doesn't have a story will have one by day's end. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the gospel, but we thank you most of all for the person of the gospel, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.